Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Let's turn our Bibles. This is great. Exodus chapter 5. Or rather, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, if you have a Bible. And while Joel's figuring that out for me, Joel, you just add the slides uh, from the bottom left-hand corner there. And then... Um, there it is. Wow. You guys didn't even have to use your Bibles today. Exodus chapter 6. We'll read it from our Bible here today in the NIV. We are going to look at um, starting in verse uh, verse 6, verse 1. So if you're ready, why don't you do something today? I, I, I was at uh, our home church, TFH, here this last weekend. And uh, they stood for the reading of the Word. And I, wanna, I want you to do for me a favor. Why don't you stand up today for the reading of the Word of God. Amen. Come on. God's word is living and active. Amen. Praise God. So let's read it together. Uh, Exodus chapter 6. We're going to read 1 to 1 to 8. How about that? 1 to 8. All right. It says this. And then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. Did you hear that? I did not make myself fully known to Abraham. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they recited as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty axe of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God, and then you will know that I I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, uh, uh, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Come on. Today we're going to talk about dealing with disappointment. Dealing with disappointment. I'm going to pray, Holy Spirit, as we come today in the house of the Lord, we say, Father, thank you. Lord, I pray you help my voice. Uh, help me to preach, Lord, your word. I believe this is a message for some people in the room today. Thank you for giving it to me, God. And as we walk through it today, I pray that you be glorified. You be blessed. Father, we open up our hearts to you today. Holy Spirit, we, we came to church on July 30th, praise God, the middle of the summer. And we say, Lord, we didn't come here just to show up to church and check in and check out. We came today to be changed. We came today to be transformed by not only your presence, by the teaching of your word. So Lord, we open up our hearts to you. We say, Father, speak to us. Lord, I pray for anyone in the room today who's facing a situation where they're disappointed with God, where they feel like they've been let down, where they feel like they don't know where to turn. Lord, we say today that, Father, this word says that, God, you are faithful to keep your promises. Lord, you made a commitment, and you're going to keep it. Amen. You're not just the promise-making God. You're the promise-keeping God. Amen. And we love you in Jesus' name. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say amen. 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 Come on. Well, amen. So have you ever had a time in your life when you, uh, when you believed you were being obedient to God, and the results ended in epic failure? <laughs> 
I know for me, when I was a young guy, my wife and I just got married. I was about 23 years old. I had been a volunteer youth pastor at a church plant in Oregon City, Oregon, called Destiny Christian Fellowship. 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 <laughs> I'm thinking about James right now. I'm not going to. Fellowship. Um, and uh, I, I went there, I left a ra rather large church my great uncle started, and I thought the Lord told me to go. I was a loan officer full-time, I went to Bible college full-time, and now I was a volunteer youth pastor full-time. And then I got married, and so all I wanted to do was be in full-time ministry. And so as I, uh, as I started this journey, I was just trying to serve, and I served, and I served for, for six years. I served in that volunteer capacity, and, and I just got to say this, they didn't give me one dime, so there's a reason why I always try to give people gift certificates all the time. It's because I didn't get a dime, but you know what? I wasn't doing it for the dime. I was doing it for Jesus, and over time, I just really started getting frustrated. Every free moment I had was youth ministry. It was a, it was, these were really hard, challenging young people. I was basically a parent to so many kids who didn't have moms and dads. And, you know, I can go through the stories of kids who lost their moms and dads. And I would go to their home and help clean their house. And I would drive them to school. And I would check on their homework. And I would be there in the hospital. I mean, I was just there, basically their mom and dad. And it was exhausting. And I remember after six years, just feeling a little bit frustrated, a little bit like my, my dreams were dad. Dashed, and I felt like in my heart, man, I deserve a paid position. I've worked and worked and worked. I deserve it because I'm such a man of God. And I remember an opportunity came in, as Americans would say, Calgary, Canada. It's like me saying Los Angeles, United States. <laughs> I'm like, you guys know there's a province in there, right? <laughs> I got an opportunity in Calgary, Alberta, Canada to be a youth pastor for the very first time. And so what I did was, is I sought some counsel, but a few of my counselors were like, Ryan, this isn't a good idea. And I said, you don't know God's voice. I do. Even though you've been in ministry for 60 years and you've done incredible things, I'm going to ignore you. I really believe the Lord was in it. And so I put everything in a U-Haul and I left everything and I left my job. I was making great money. My wife left her job. I pulled her out of her psychology degree and I said, we're moving to Canada. And we moved to Canada. We went to a church here in the city that was no longer in existence. Uh, it died. Uh, and there's a reason why it died. Um, but as I was there, I was, became on staff. I was so excited. I had the word of the Lord. I got up and preached like I preached to you. I was so thrilled. I was like, ah! I was just excited and American to all these, you know, very quiet Canadians. And while I preached, young people began to stand up during the service and yell expletives at me. They would call me all sorts of names. You're uh, this while I'm preaching. So thank God you don't do that. I mean, some of you fall asleep and that's all right. But like, you know, like, ah, just yelling expletives at me and the board hated me. And I finally, the pastor took me aside and said, Ryan, you're using too many scriptures in your sermon. Like, you need to stop calling altar calls for prayer. Like, come on, man. Like, we just need to keep it, like, really non-Christian if we could. He didn't say that, but that was my, what I heard. <laughs> I heard wind that I was going to be uh, fired after 10 months. Moved my whole family up there. 
My wife and I were so idealistic and excited. And I heard a rumor that I was going to get fired. So I thought, I don't want to be fired. I'm going to resign. I'm going to do this right. So I gave them my letter of resignation. I remember handing him the letter of resignation. And he literally had uh, turned around while I was standing there and offered my job to the person behind me while I was standing there. So I was already on the way out. I remember laying in the couch from my in-laws' house in their basement, and I honestly thought I was having a mental breakdown because I said, God, I thought I heard you. God, I, I, what do I have left? I quit my career as a loan officer. I was in finance. I, I had a, a, a church that was, you know, it was fine. It was great. And I, I was in a city that I grew up in. And here I am laying in my couch thinking to myself, what the heck? Like, God, you made a promise to me. God, I, I thought you spoke to me. God, I thought, you, you, I, thought I, I was going according to your word, God. Like, like I stepped out in faith. And I, I Lord, you, like you could have like made the U-Haul break down or something. And like, you could have like stopped me with an angel or, you know, like you could have done something to keep me from doing this. But God, like, why did you lead me to a place where I would just be left disappointed, frustrated, and angry, not just with people and church, but God, ultimately, with you. I don't know about you, but I would imagine if I could sit down with some of you today, you'd say, Ryan, that's kind of where I feel today, that I feel like God has made me a promise, or that I stepped out in faith, or that I did something I felt God was asking me to do, or I've been praying for a miracle, I've been praying for God to do supernatural signs and wonders, and why does it feel like, like every time I, like I obey God, it sets me up, and actually sometimes it feels like life gets worse, it feels like the cancer gets worse. It feels like the relationship gets worse. It feels like the marriage gets worse. It feels like my boss just gets even more naggy, more possessive. It feels like the promotion gets farther away. Why does it feel like in this season of my life, I obeyed God and now things are worse and farther away? That is exactly where we are in our story with Moses today. Moses, as we've been talking about, as you remember, was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, lived 40 years in the palace, didn't live in an environment where Yahweh was exalted as God. It was a place where he learned about all foreign gods. And yet somewhere along the journey, Moses uh, found that his heart was, was being pulled towards the Lord. His heart was being pulled towards the things of God. His heart was being pulled towards God's kingdom and, and a, a, a desire in his heart began to stir to redeem his people. And if you remember, he went out and, and, and felt like he was going to go see his people and redeem them. And he ended up killing this Egyptian guy. And, and then he, he left and came back the next day and he saw his fellow Hebrews and said, hey guys, why are you fighting? And he says, why are you going to kill me? Like he killed the Egyptian. He thought that they were going to be celebrate the fact that he had redeemed them, but yet instead they turned on him and Moses ran away and ended up in Midian. And I talked about this a few weeks ago and you should go back and listen to the series if you haven't, but he was in Midian for 40 years and then he stumbled upon a bush, a burning bush. And last week, Pastor Josiah talked about the different excuses that Moses made. You know, after studying the life of Moses, I realized Moses was very reluctant to honor and serve God when God asked him to do something. In fact, so much so God was like, just choose somebody else. And if it wasn't for his wife who circumcised their son, Moses wouldn't be with us today. <laughs> well, he, he's not with us now, but you know, <laughs> you get what I mean. 
And so Moses is now in a season where he was reluctantly willing to serve God. He was saying, God, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I don't want to move my family from Midian. And I've got a comfortable life and I've got a good job and I've got a great father-in-law and things are going really well. And like I got, my sons are doing great. It's a good season for them. We're in a good environment. And, but you're calling me to go and do something that will require a lot from me. I'm giving up a lot. I really don't want to do this. I'm actually not that great of a speaker despite what people think. I, I'm really stumbling over my words sometimes and I just... It's hard for me to articulate that. And so finally, uh, God said, fine, I'll, I'll choose your brother Aaron. He's a better speaker than you anyways. I mean, I could have chosen, but I wanted to choose you, but I guess I'll use him. So I'll use Aaron. And then God showed up to kill him. And theologians believe that God didn't show up like, you know, like a, with a mask on, with a knife ready to stab Moses. Uh, actually, theologians believe that he got sick. He got very, very sick. And that God was using the sickness. And I know this is probably very theologically difficult to wrap our brains around, but he made Moses sick to take Moses out because Moses was so reluctant. And thank God the, 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 the circumcision of his son's the blood, representing the blood of Jesus, covered the wrath of God. It's a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. Now Moses has packed his bags. He's got the U-Haul. He's, you know, he's traveling back. He's, now he's got, he, he left with nothing and came back with possessions. And he's got a new Harley. And, you know, he's got all these nice new clothes. And he's got possessions and furniture. And, you know, he's, he's, he's got all these different things with him. And he's uh, journeying back to Egypt to see all of his own family and all of his old friends. And he rolls into town and he finds a rental property. And he moves in and things are good. And he's got the donkey hitched and the kids in their room and the wife's making dinner. And he says, okay, Tomorrow, God told me I need to go to Pharaoh's house. I need to go to the palace and I need to figure this out and begin to have a bit of conversation and start the journey of redeeming these people because now is when I need to do this. And so we see in the scripture that it says that after the, the, the presentation to Israel's elders, he gathered all the church elders together and said, hey guys, listen, this is what God's doing and this is what we're gonna do. We're, gonna, we're actually gonna get you out of this place. And, and they believed God. He showed them all the signs, the, the staff turned to a snake and the leprosy and the water into wine. He showed them all the signs that God had given him. The elders were like, heck yes, like, let's go, bro. He just turned a staff into a snake. We will go wherever you go. And so they were like, I'm in. And so now, Aaron and, and Moses got up early in the morning. He, you know, he made his espresso and he got his best cloak on and he got himself ready and he went out and got on his new donkey and he went over to Aaron and picked up Aaron and they went to the, the palace and they showed up at the palace and they walked up to the secretary and said, we have an appointment with Pharaoh. And she said, excuse me, sir, do you have an appointment? And he said, I sure don't. I'm here on assignment from Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh God. And she's like, who? And he's like, hey, lady, and he walked right by the secretary. She said, no, sir, don't go in there. And he walked in and all of a sudden these guards said, halt. And they halted him and they stopped Moses and Aaron. And Pharaoh said, what is the meaning of this? Moses walks in with a word from God. He's got the staff in his hand. He's got Aaron by his side. He's got a spokesperson. He's got the miracles of God. He's got the word of God. He's got momentum to see miracles. This is going to be incredible. Here he goes. He's stepping out for God. Here we go. I'm about to see God do a miracle. And they told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go. So they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. And this is what Pharaoh responded with. Oh, is that so? <laughs> Interesting, retorted Pharaoh. 
Who's the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. I'm not gonna let Israel go. Now, Pharaoh's like, I have no clue who you're talking about here. Like, am I supposed to know this Yahweh guy? Moses is like, wait a minute, maybe you didn't hear me. Did I mispronounce his name? Like, maybe you didn't hear what I was saying. Maybe you didn't hear me correctly. So Moses comes back and says, hey, I'm gonna persist here. Okay, God, watch what I do here. Uh, a little bit of resistance. The God of the Hebrews that has met with us, they declared, let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I don't remember reading this in scripture. I think Moses just added it to add a little bit of excitement. Uh, well, if we don't, he's gonna kill us all. <laughs> He's going to kill us with a plague or with a sword. I don't remember reading that in scripture. So maybe Moses and Aaron were like, man, we need to add a little bit of our own kind of idea behind it here. And Moses was like, listen, if we don't do this now, all your people are going to die. and You're not going to have anyone to work at Starbucks for you. This is going to be bad. Trust me, you need to let us go. So here we have Moses and Aaron stepping out for God. They're being obedient to the Lord. They're doing what God told them to do. Said what God told him to say, minus the, the plagues and death thing, but whatever, we'll let that pass. Here we have a moment where Moses and Aaron were being completely obedient to the Lord, stepping out in faith, doing what God told them to do, and all it did was make matters even worse for the people. Look what it says. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. There are many of your people in the land, and you're stopping them from their work. The same day Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptians. I can't read it here, so I'm going to read it here if that's okay with you. That same day Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy, and that's why they're crying out, let us go offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Remember, God told them to go, and this is the result, more work for the people. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. Sounds like youth can't. Make them sweat. Do more work. So the slave drivers and foremen went out and told the people, this is what the Pharaoh says. I will not provide any more straw for you. Go and get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can. But you must produce just as much bricks as you did before. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your daily quota of bricks just as you did when we provided you with straw, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelites foreman and they put in charge of their work crews. Why haven't you met your quota? either yesterday or today they demanded so the Israelite foreman went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him please don't treat your servants like this they begged we're given no straw but the slave drivers still demand make bricks we're being beaten but it isn't our fault you are oh, your own people are to blame but Pharaoh shouted you're just lazy 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 that's why you're saying let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord now get back to work no straw will be given to you but you must still produce the full quota of bricks the Israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told, you must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. And as they left Pharaoh, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who were waiting outside for them. And the foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you. So now it's getting worse for the people. And now already they're turning on Moses Foreman said, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You put a sword into their hands as an excuse to kill us. 
See, this doesn't make a lot of sense why God would tell Moses to do something and all it does is create more problems. All it did was create more of an issue than, than when Moses, 40 years prior, think about it. Moses went out and saw the people being hard, worked hard and he killed the Egyptian to think that it would fix it and he was ran away for 40 years and then he comes back with a word from God think it's going to be different and it's even worse than before. How many times in your life have you said, God, I was listening to you and it feels like things just got worse. It feels like my sickness got worse. It feels like my job got worse. It feels like my ministry got worse. There was no fruit. There was no progress. There was no finances. There was nothing. My business didn't do any better. My friendships didn't get better. But God, I was absolutely and unequivocally being obedient to you. God, why would you do this? This is the point in our journey with God where many of us make a decision. We will no longer fully trust that he is faithful and good. This is the point in our journey when we will become nominal followers of Jesus, when we will say, yes, I'm a Christian, but in reality, our heart is hurt and broken because we are disappointed, disillusioned, and let down by what has happened in our lives. This is the place where Moses himself was ticked off. Moses was upset. Moses came back to the Lord. Look what Moses says, very fascinating here. Then Moses went back to the Lord and he protested. That word protested is to grumble and to whine. Why didn't the people of Israel go into the, go into the promised land? Because they grumbled and they whined. And here we see someone right now, Moses is about to lead the people for 40 years and suffer from their whining and their complaining. Moses is starting right now by doing this. It says he came to God and he began to grumble and he began to complain. And he said this, how can you mistreat your people like this? Why did you ever send me here if you were going to do this to them? Ever since I gave Pharaoh your message, he has only been more and more brutal to them. And you haven't even did what you said that you would do. You haven't delivered them at all. He grumbled, complained. God, what's going on? You didn't even do what you said you were going to do. I heard that message on that week and I felt the Lord speaking to me about my area of sickness in my life and I heard the word of God saying I'm going to be healed and there was a prophetic word over my life that my body was going to be healed but God, it hasn't happened yet and I've had full faith. God, I've been serving in this area of ministry for so long and I've been giving myself and it feels like there's no breakthrough or there's no growth or there's no fruit or there's no recognition or there's no affirmation. God, I've been working on this marriage and I knew God told me to stay with this person despite the fact that they made a mistake. I said, God, I'm gonna stay with them and I've stayed with them and I've stayed with them. Yeah, it's been nothing but difficult and hard and things have gotten worse. Why, God, are you doing this to me? This is where many followers of Jesus fall off the trail of God. God. This is where many lose their journey. This is where many fall on the wayside and they come back and you're nominal. But the reality is this, is that deep in your heart, you've been wounded and you're hurt and disillusioned and disappointed with the reality of where you're at in your life. And God wants you to know something today. God wants you to know something. And this is why he came and began to share the very things he said with Moses. See, what Moses wanted was immediate results. Moses wanted to hear the word of God and respond to the word of God and for it to happen exactly as Moses saw that it should happen. It's like microwave Christianity, is it not? If I say this, 
If I do this, one, zero, zero, start in one minute, it will be as I want it to be. And many times in our walk with God, we realize that we have a bit of an imaginative idea of how this will turn out when God said he will heal you. I believe he wants to heal you and his will is to heal you, but we don't know if the healing is in this life or in the life to come. That's ultimately up to God. And we must say, God, be all the glory. We must say, hey, I know the relationship's going to get better. And we had this marriage conference that said, we're going to have a bright and glorious future where our marriage is perfect and awesome. And yes, that's what God wants for you. But no one ever said it wasn't going to be hard and challenging and arduous and difficult and rip out the very core of who you are to make you more like Jesus. We have to realize that the process that we're in in our life, we never were expected to have the result. We have an idea of what it looks like. We know what God said. We have a picture in our mind of what God is saying he'll do. But the reality is we really don't know what God will do. But at the end of the day, God, however you choose to do it, may God be the glory. We learn through this journey, Jesus responded to Moses. And I believe God was being very, very generous to Moses because he could have just, you know, killed him right there. Shut up, Moses. He could have just, you know, he could have right there said, you know what, Moses, you've been nothing but a thorn in my flesh. Come on, I'm going to, Aaron just seems to be very fine with serving me. I'm going to go get Aaron. Yet, no, that's not what happened. God was generous and God was faithful to Moses. We see in the scripture today, the big idea is this, is that we will, uh, God is actually testing Moses. Will you respond, Moses, with trust in me? Will you remember that even when life is hard, that I'm in control? Will you remember that even when things don't turn out like you hope, that I'm in control, that I'm a good God, that I'm a faithful God, that I see the end from the beginning, and that although it's frustrating and difficult, I'm going to make a way where there is no way in my time and in my season, when I feel that you're ready, I will make a way. In fact, God responded to Moses, and we have to understand something. There is a purpose behind every failure. There is a purpose behind every disappointment. There is a purpose behind every frustration. These disappointing seasons that we're in, the situation that you're in, the place where God has you, you have to understand this. And I know we hate to hear this. It is a testing season to see, are you truly going to trust that God is in control? Will you truly trust that Jesus is on the throne? Will you truly trust that this God you've chosen to serve, that his name is Yahweh, that he's El Shaddai, that he's the Alpha, the Omega, that he is a good God from the beginning to the end, and there is never a moment in the history of God, in the eternal existence of God, where God made a mistake. We want to look today, as I end my time, God responds with five things. If you're taking notes, five things to remind you when you're feeling like you failed, when you're feeling like you're disappointed. God's response to Moses' retort, is his frustration, was to bring him back to remind him of his commitment to him. And I want to give you these things today from the very first text that we read. If you're taking notes, you can write this first one down. That there is a bigger purpose than you realize. There's a bigger purpose than you realize. God is a bigger picture going on. You might be in the very middle of Pharaoh not listening to you, but what you don't realize is that God is using your failure and using your disappointment and using the hard circumstance for a bigger picture that you don't see yet because why? God knows the end from the beginning. There is a bigger picture. Look what God says in the scripture. 
The Lord told Moses, now you will see. You're about to see it. I know you didn't see it before. I sent you there knowing that you were going to fail. Now you're going to see what I promised you. This was after Moses went to Pharaoh already. I sent you there to fail on purpose. You say, Ryan, that doesn't make sense. Well, it's theologically hard to wrap your brain around. Get over it. He sent you there to fall flat on your face. That doesn't make sense. Well, maybe there was some pride I need to work out of you. Maybe there's some fear he needed to work out of you. Maybe there's some trust issues that were there. Maybe he was saying, okay, I know this is going to be hard, Moses, but I'm going to send you in there and you're going to experience tremendous rejection, but I want you to know there is a bigger purpose at hand. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh when he feels the force of my strong hand. He will let the people go. In fact, he's going to force you to leave this land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh the Lord. He said, I need you to remember that when you're facing a disappointing season, that I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. I am Al Shaddai. I am the Alpha and Omega. Can I hear an amen? amen? That I know the end from the beginning. And you might not see it, but there is a bigger purpose behind it. Here's a second thought. God is committed to your breakthrough. God is committed to seeing areas of breakthrough in your life. And I believe this from my own personal experience. That when God puts you through a season where you fall flat on your face, it's not because God failed. It's because there's something in your life God's trying to root out. And God is allowing this season to bring breakthrough to your life. I know it. If God hadn't have sent me down, he would actually send me down to central Washington. It just so happened that Daryl Corbin was a planted a church and needed a youth pastor. I went there and what my wife didn't realize is that I had a big area of sin in my life. I was struggling in an area and I thought in my mind that I could live a life of sin and still be used by God. I had an area of sexual sin in my life that was unhealthy, unbiblical, and absolutely wrong. And my wife could have divorced me if she wanted. But it was at that season, after that disappointing season, God took me to a place of failure. And if I hadn't have gone there, I wouldn't have come under Daryl and Corbin's ministry was the very place in which God allowed me to work out this terrible, disgusting sin that I thought was acceptable in God's sight. God used that season of disappointment to bring me to a season of breakthrough. Look what God says in the scripture. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. You need to understand something. When God sent the people of Israel into, uh, into the, the desert, they were supposed to take out a bunch of enemies, all the ites. This was the only enemy, the Egyptians, that God eradicated without the people's help. That means this. I believe this. Prophetic thought for some of you today. That God has you in a season of disappointment or frustration or failure even. Because God, there may be something in your heart or in your life. Maybe not. I'm not saying it's always the case. I'm not saying you're there because you're a sinner. Hear me. 
I'm not saying that you're in fear of failure because you made a mistake, but God uses these opportunities to eradicate the Egyptians from your life. You're going to have other battles in your life. You're going to have other heights in your life. You're going to have other face of the things in your life. But God wants to completely eradicate the Egyptians from your life. And I believe whether it's fear or anxiety or shame or sexual sin or addiction or alcohol or whatever it might be, maybe lack of faith in God. God wants to eradicate that Egyptian from your life once and for all, he is committed to your breakthrough. So you say, God, I thought you were going to do this in my life. And he says, well, I will. But first, I want to do this in your life. And he brought you to that season so that he can bring breakthrough to your life. Here's the third one. God is committed to be in relationship with you despite your mistakes. Look what the scripture says, Exodus 6, 7. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Already the people didn't want to go with Moses. Already the people didn't want to go to the, to, the, to, the, to the promised land. The people were already people who were, many of them worshiping other gods. Did you know that? And yet even in their sin, even in their wrongdoing, even in Moses' failure and rejection of God, God was still compassionate and loving and said, I am jealous for my people. I want to have a relationship with you. I need you to hear me today. When God brings you to a season of frustration or disappointment, did you know that God is simply just trying to draw you closer to him? I'm about to say something that's probably going to bother you. Do you know the purpose of your life is not to do God's will? I love saying this. People are like, this guy's weird. The purpose of your life is not to do God's will. The purpose of your life is to know Jesus. It's to have an intimate and alive and real and life-giving relationship with the Creator God. He wants you to be in a relationship with Him. And guess what happens when you're in a relationship with God? You do His will. See, you're in a season of disappointment often. What happens in this failure is it causes us to run away from God when God says, that wasn't the purpose of this failure. That wasn't the purpose of this disappointment. It was for you to run away from me. I want to have a relationship with you. You will be my people. I will be your God. One way or the other, I'm coming for you. I'm going to get your heart. And I'm going to heal you. And I'm going to use you. And I'm going to redeem you. Yeah, you might be worshiping foreign gods. Yeah, you might be giving your life to other things. Yeah, you might be doing, but listen, I am chasing after you. You need to hear this today. God is chasing after you today. Even if you don't want him, he's still chasing after you. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't just want you to do things for him. He wants your heart. And he allows us to go to seasons where failure and disappointment. And we say, God, what is going on? And he says, Ryan, I don't care about this. You got me using you to do this very specific thing. I just want your heart, man. I, I'm not, I, don't, I care about the church, but Ryan, I care more about the hearts of the people. I care more about your heart. I care more about having a relationship with you than I do about you going out and just seeing great results. I'm going to do that but I want your heart. Pardon my voice, I'm sorry. Number four, God is committed to revealing himself anew to you when you are in a season of disappointment, failure, discouragement. And you know that this is the best place to be for, for, to have a revelation of God anew. When God brings you to that place where you're a failure and you're like, God, what's going on? God wants to reveal himself to you afresh. 
Now, I don't know if your lack of response is because you don't understand what I'm saying, it's impacting you, or you don't care. Because I want you to hear me today. When you face a difficult season of your life, you might think God's the farthest away, but God is the closest and wants to show something to you that you've never seen before. He wants to reveal something new to you. In fact, we see in the scripture, look what he says, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from oppression in Egypt. Let's go back for a moment. I skipped a verse on purpose and he says, I am Yahweh. Look what he says. God said to Moses, I'm Yahweh the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and I appeared to Isaac and I appeared to Jacob. Look, and he says, and this is how I appeared to them. El Shaddai, supreme God. I am the only big God. That's what he says. I am God, larger than the universe. It was a very inter, an impersonal God, a disconnected God, a God that's big. They looked up and said, oh my gosh, this big, massive God is bigger than the universe. He's a God who can control the end from the beginning. He's a promise-making God. El Shaddai. This is, I appeared to them as that, as God Almighty. Look at this. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. Look what he says. I reaffirm my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners, and you can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians and I'm well aware of my covenant with them. You need to hear something today that when Moses went to God, God was revealing something to Moses that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never saw. He came to them as the promise-making God. And Moses, God came to Moses, okay, I was the promise-making God, but to you, I'm the promise-keeping God. I made a promise to them, and they never saw it. You are going to see it. I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah. That means a self-existent one, the all-present one, the very personal one, the one that is involved in your life. I want to tell you something today. Those seasons of my life were the most special moments with God where I wasn't caught up in the fluff of doctrine and the fluff of theology and the fluff of ministry and the fluff of do and the fluff of that. I was caught up in one truth. God, you're such a sovereign, good God. You're so faithful to me, Lord. I know I, it feels like I failed, but Lord, you're with me. I know you. He began to reveal himself to me like never before. It never would have happened if I was on top of the mountain. It happened when I was in the valley, in the hardship, in the difficulty. That's when God revealed himself to me. I'm on the fourth one here today. God is committed to a glorious, or the fifth one rather, God is uh, committed to a glorious and prosperous future for your life. Look what he says as he ends this verse today. Exodus 6, verse 8. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I made a promise to them, but I'm going to keep it with you. I have a a prophetic word for somebody in the room today. 
you have grandparents or parents that have received prophetic words that were given to them I want you to know today God's going to fulfill that prophetic word in your life you're going to see it your kids are going to see it he was El Shaddai to your grandparents he's going to be Yahweh to you and there's prophetic words that are going to come to pass through your life in this season because God is going to do something new and fresh in your life he's going to reveal himself to you he's going to open your eyes in a new way and you're going to see God do supernatural signs and wonders God is committed to a glorious and a prosperous future for your life these people had no land they had no inheritance I'm going to read a few scriptures and then I'll pray today Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord they are plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope how about this, John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to still kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Come on, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. That is what is meant by the scriptures which say that no mere man has ever seen or heard or even imagined what wonderful things God is ready for those who love the Lord. Back to my story. Did you know that after that season with Daryl and Michael, they became elders at our church. They were helping us founded Love City Church. Did you know that from that season, Andrew and Brittany came from that church at Mid Park where I was let go. Brittany was in the youth ministry and now she came to the church and now they're elders in the church. Did you know Bassie came from that church? Bassie came and she's been one of the greatest influences in our church. Amy came from that church. Many relationships that we've had have come from that church. If God hadn't have taken me to that disappointing season, we would not be standing here today. It was because of that disappointing season that God created space for my future and for your future. Come on, won't you stand to your feet? Thank you for your time today. Come on, there's a bigger purpose than you realize. God's committed to your breakthrough. God's committed to being in a relationship with you despite your mistakes. God is committed to revealing himself to you afresh. And God is committed to giving you a glorious and a prosperous future for your life despite where you're at in your life. Come on, Lord, we pray today. Every person today who's feeling discouraged and frustrated and disappointed in life, we say, Father, today, would you help them to know that God, the best is yet to come. I pray the Lord that you would help them in their relationship with you. They wouldn't run from you. They would run to you. And you would reveal yourself to them afresh in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said.